This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Believe it! It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, though my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. The come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. Folks, we got another loaded show for you today with our talk topic, uh, me talking about the creator. I went to go see that in theaters uh, starring John David Washington, Madeline Yuna Voles, and Gemma Chan, from you guys know from The Eternals. Uh, and she was on Captain Marvel, too. She was one of the Kree soldiers on there as well. But the character I, I used to say, like, you know, she looked like a Jim Lee drawing come to life. Had no idea it was the same actor from the Eternals. Apparently she's done multiple roles uh, in the MCU, but they come together to do this film directed by Gareth Edwards, who also directed Star Wars Rogue One, which, you know, I've said before. And when I remember reviewing this, I was not too high on that Star Wars. And I know there is a certain uh, denomination people that like that movie um it was a little bit too well way too story driven way too character heavy and there wasn't a lot of action uh and i wanted to see if he you know tried to do the same thing under a ip that wasn't connected to the star wars brand because i always feel like the star wars brand there's a there's a certain chemistry there's a certain ingredient few ingredients and formula that makes the star that makes a star wars film what it is and if you try to go out of there, you're taking a risk. He took a risk with it. It worked. It, some people liked it. Some people didn't. I'm on the side of didn't. I don't want to say I didn't like it, but I just felt like it dragged. And I wanted to see if this, he went a little bit different with this or see how I feel with him taking on another intellectual property and another, you know, storytelling way of storytelling it here so i'll give my thoughts on our talk topic uh later on in this show but 
we do have to start off with some unfortunately sad news this week, along with some other very exciting news going on in the world of our favorite fandom. So let's not waste any time, folks. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. so as i mentioned we're going to start off with some unfortunately sad news uh this is one of those situations where like this is the time to mourn uh you know somebody in a sense because it's like they died really young and there's still no uh knowledge of how this person passed away but it's none other than eight mile actor nishan beat uh who died at the age of 46 years old you don't recognize that name but you recognize the character if you ever watch eight mile known for playing the role of Lotto as one of the members of Free World led by Papa Doc, played by Anthony Mackie. Most memorable lines, if you guys, he was the guy with the cornrows and the, and the, uh, and the tank top. Um, really, really in shape, dude, like brick and intimidating. And he's coming at, he's doing a, he's doing a freestyle battle with Eminem at the end. You know, the entire, you know, Eminem's taking on the entire Free World. And he was the one that kind of he gutted him he gutted eminem or rabbit at the time made like he gutted him like they went hunting beat with his lines i, I one of the, the most memorable lines that lotto has put together was i feel bad that i gotta murder that dude from leave the beaver that was like the crowd went crazy with that one the other one was the other one i i really really like like you think these dude and i'm gonna say dudes because you know he goes he goes ripping i don't use the term in this show or in life anymore anyway so you think these dudes gonna feel the shit you say i got a better chance of joining the kkk like this dude like he, he matter of fact not only that i think lotto was the second guy to take on rabbit in the movie so the first guy i think did okay but rabbit got through him lotto was the one that was like he was the gatekeeper he was the one that was he really put on that pressure and somehow rabbit was able to you know get over on him because i think you know i think the crowd felt him because when he said the term when he said um you know you're gonna feel the uh shit you say he's basically saying like the crowd ain't gonna feel you no matter what you say so it's like by the time rabbit came over and they did they end up feeling what he said because he was able to do it he talked about his t-shirt and like talking about lotto i don't fit you or something like that. <laughs> uh and, and, and people got jumped on it so that's how he lost that battle and then he ended up going i think that's when he did the uh deal to papa dot and went first and it just it just went on from there like that i love eight mile eight mile is hip-hop's purple rain <laughs> okay literally like rabbit played prince um anthony mackie and those dudes in the free world played morris day and uh time it literally is rap and in and, and for god's sakes lose yourself is purple rain this is there's nothing that comes close to this ever nothing that came close to purple rain other than that movie like seriously it was i could go back and watch that again it was awesome um but unfortunately he did pass away and we found out this news which came from 
rapper Mickey Fax on IG. Um, I've actually Mickey Fax is a really awesome, talented hip hop artist. He's like he would be he would be considered underground. Like a lot of people don't, you know, he has seventy five thousand followers, but at the same time, like there's still people who don't understand how dope Mickey Fax is. Mickey, I got the chance to see him when I went uh, at the uh, Kung Fu Necktie Dive Bar where Mega Ray was uh, performing at one time. Mega invited me to come down, you know, to see him. That you know, to, you know, see what he do, what he, see him do what he do. And Mickey Fax was in there as well. And I got to see how all those guys, I think I got footage of, uh, I, I, if I recall, I got footage of, uh, him rapping and all this stuff. Like the stuff that he was spitting out was like it, awesome. So I think he has, a, I think he, uh, knew him to that extent or something like that. So he was the first one to put it out there. And, uh, it's unfortunate, like 46 years old, look, dude, I'm 46 years old. So God forbid that, that really kind of hit me in a sense, because it's like, okay, what is going on? This dude was in mad shape. You never know what's going on with people. Um, we go through a lot in life, especially black people go through a lot of life mentally. Like you say what you want. You can say the world is better. You can say like, I hear Bill Maher all the time say like, it is much better. It has, it is much better to some extent, but that doesn't mean there's like battle damage after the war. Like, it, you know, we still are recovering mentally from things that he can't fathom. And we never know what people are going through, man. Um, hopefully we will find out what is the uh, cause of death to some extent, but 46 years old, man, that's like, that's, that's young. That yeah, I'm young, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so best wishes to the friends, family and fans of Nashi, uh, of Nashawn, uh, be love, man. He was dope. He was, he was really, really dope. And, he made a very memorable moment to a very iconic film. Thank you for your talents. Thank you for putting it out there. Thank you for spitting it like nobody could, <laughs> like a like a buzzsaw. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying. Like so, you know, peace be with you and all and everybody involved with that. So, all right, let's turn it up. Let's make let's 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 lighten it up a bit. Let's talk anime, people. We talked about McDonald's last week in terms of all the hate they were getting for no pair reason for the dumbest thing ever. Ain't nobody hating on us now because Dragon Ball Z teams up with McDonald's, at least in Japan. The Golden Arches continued their powerhouse promotions, but this time in Japan or Nihon, <laughs> as they get, you know, they pretty much gets the nod um, for teaming up with Dragon Ball Z to promote their new combo meals. I think this is basically a Happy Meal package, what it looks like. The new meal packs will include collectible cards featuring many of your favorite Z Warriors or Z Fighters and villains. The Happy Meal package also design, uh, the packaging design also has Goku, Frieza, and with the cup design looking like Goku's Gi uh, with the orange and blue and Roshi's emblem on it. So the Z emblem on it. So. I'm digging it. I love McDonald's has been on a tear with these promotions, man. Uh, and here's the thing. We talked about it last week in terms of, you know, people just making a big deal out of nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's only us it, again. And you know, it's funny. I'm going to talk about this because it's like when we talk about the creator in our talk topic, there's some connection. There's some parallel connections to what I'm about to say here, but 
we always tend to think that we dictate the way everything should be around the world and you're questioning and hating and it is i got i bet you it's only us it's only us like i don't think anybody else in other countries are having the same pointless childish immature sophomoric antics but us i mean i'm pretty sure some people there's a minority of people around the world who kind of gravitates and migrates their antics based on what we do but doesn't say that that's healthy either by the way but i bet you we're the only ones that do that like that controversy that had or quote-unquote controversy that has happened last you know we got talked about last week with the mcdonald's uh anime ads that's only us i don't believe anybody in japan are making a big deal out of it like anybody in other countries are making a big deal out of it i totally believe it is us that are we're the only ones that make such a stupid big deal and we do so with a lot of ignorance involved in it too and i'm saying we in general not like me in particular with everybody but i'm saying we as a whole we do this stuff with pure ignorance like i grew up where you had you had this understanding of like and i said this before i had this conversation before but i'm repeating this you go to another country you go by their rules you live by their customs you respect the environment that you're in but because we have social media now we have access to you know easily easy access to different countries and different customs and all this stuff and everything is just in, under one pot when you're in social media so things get to be shrouded in a, in, 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 in confusion almost because you don't have to travel far when you're online you could talk to somebody from another country at all times because you're not physically in that environment you don't have to go by their rules you don't have to go to buy their customs so a lot of times people who don't travel people who don't really go out to different areas tend to believe that like everything is according to their ideology and their customs and that's not the case like once you're out the virtual world and you go into japan or you go into brazil or uh iceland or whatever just anywhere once you go out into the physical world there you can't your mindset has to change you're not going to have the same mindset that you are online you're privy to doing that online you cannot have that same same uh you know ideology that american ideology goes away when you go to japan and that american ideology goes away when you go to any other country china korea whatever you're not gonna have the freedom to say speak whatever like you're not going to have that when you're in the other country you're going to change that perspective based on their customs so going online and talking about giving your opinion on something that really wasn't meant for you like that that those ads in japan were meant for on japan only we're just able to see them so why are we giving our opinion on something that wasn't meant for us is not being sold to us is not even being promoted to us we're not the target audience they're the target audience so you got to understand where they're coming from with their promotion <laughs> okay so it's just stuff like that that just irks me and it's like again this is going to connect to a lot of what we're talking about and when i talk about the creator later on because there it was there's some things that happen on there 
like it just the same premise that happened on air which happened on another uh movie that i kind of related to as well involves people who think that their ideology has to be dictated by everybody else so you know mcdonald's keep doing what you're doing you know this is japan is just awesome (laughs) okay you know we should be so lucky to honestly we should be so lucky to enjoy the things that we have been able to enjoy through years because there was a time when we didn't have you know this much anime in america like we were tape trading i just talked about this with boris me and boris uh uh, aguilar yesterday on um the rampage ramble podcast you can go check it out there's a free episode uh that we did that you guys can check out on air is one of our best episodes to be honest we got to talking about classic anime soundtrack uh uh, soundtracks um you know and, and and you know anime that we how we used to watch anime back in the day how we discovered anime back in the day and and you know video games to that extent and from uh japan like you guys today have it so easy whereas we had to go to extra measures to get to watch the quality anime that you're watching today with ease it's because of the hardcore people like us that like went to conventions and tape traded and all these places to watch this stuff and put this in everybody's ear the reason why you this thing became a multi-billion dollar industry i mean plain and simple um you know we we were back then when it was called japanimation you know that that's that's pretty much to that to that measure so people just just learn a little bit more about customs and cultures and sit your ass down that's pretty much what i gotta say about that um here's what i want to talk about next i got to watch finally with every with all this you know i i all this hardcore game binging on cyberpunk uh 2077 phantom liberties which by the way if you didn't listen to the last uh episode of select start i did the i gave my thoughts on the uh expansion pack for that and uh you don't want to miss that trust me but I, after all the, you know, binge, uh, gaming on that, I, I managed to be able to find have a chance to watch Gen V, which is the spinoff to the boys on Amazon video and watch the first, uh, three episodes. And if you love the boys, this one is going to be a killer, man. Like you're going to love this show. Um, the first three episodes are available right now and it was fantastic i loved it i love the new characters in there um the casting is is really really good job casting uh jazz sinclair who plays marie monroe basically you know she was injected by the gym v by her parents and she has the ability to control blood and make it into matter and be able to you know manipulate it she found out her powers basically from when she had her first period and unfortunately as a young girl she didn't she was too you know it's it's that moment where females have those moments and except this time it's like imagine having those moments when you go through puberty you found out that you're also your power and it was supposed to be like one of those it was going to be one of those touching mother-daughter moments but it went total left field because Marie didn't know how to handle things and she was, you know, her blood was floating around everywhere and she was scared and she didn't want her mom to be in there and her mom knew what was going on, but she 
mom got scared she busted door open and marie turned her blood into a hard solid sharp metal like solid matter piercing through her mom's neck killing her mom the father came in she was also scared and the blood everywhere that was in everywhere around her spiked her father she killed both her parents and she ended up in a foster home our sister was in there too and her sister is definitely afraid of her with the you know with the experience understandably so um so now she's at a foster home and she's been trying her entire life to try to redeem herself from her sister nobody else matters she wants to let her know that her sister you know sees her as a more of a good person and a hero and everything that she did she wasn't she didn't mean to do it was a mistake her sister doesn't see that because she doesn't understand the situation you know completely all she knows is that she's traumatized from the fact that she came in and saw her parents dead at the hands of marie you know mistakenly you know it was this wasn't intentional so she ends up at a foster home and she's almost 18 and you know she's been trying to find a way to get a better lifestyle and become a actual superhero work for the seven because the only other african-american that has ever been in the seven is a train and we see where the hell that went so she wanted to be the first black female in the seven and she she needed to go to their academy the academy that vault is 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 you know sponsoring uh in order to it's a whole entire you know school of superheroes think you know xavier's uh school for gifted you know uh students type of deal just way worse and here you have clancy brown as the professor dean if you will rich uh brinks uh brinkerhoff who i thought was going to be like you know clancy brown if you followed his career forever he's always played a tremendous villain he's always played like he, he, I don't know if that if that was his first movie, but I first I first became a fan of Clancy Brown in Highlander as the Kurgan. He will always be the Kurgan for me, but he's going on to do so many awesome roles, one of which including the one of the best Lex Luthor's ever. Like he was the Lex Luthor on Superman animated series. I don't people think remember that or know that, but he was he was the role of that character on there. And, you know, he's he's to Lex Luthor is what Kevin Connery is to Batman. Like, say what you will. Like, I love John Cryer. Um, I love my man from Smallville. Great one, too. But, man, um, definitively, Clancy Brown has, a, you know, just in terms of just being a actor portraying Lex Luthor, he nailed it. He nailed it insanely. And he was Lex Luthor for a lot of years within with the WB animation. So like, I thought normally he plays a villain everywhere. If you remember, he was on the Punisher as well. And he ended up being a bad dude in there. So, you know, Thor as well. Now he's always playing a villain and a very good villain at that. So I'm thinking he's gonna have a bigger role here. Come to find out that's not happening because that dude died on the first episode. I'm like, son of a bitch, why? <laughs> I, was, I was totally thrown off with this. I'm like, they killed off Clancy Brown in the first ep, what? <laughs> okay, so that didn't happen. So, you know, she ends up going to this academy. 
she meets all these new friends like uh kate uh dunlap from uh who play um who uh plays a character in there that was dating uh i forgot the name of that dude sunfire or whatever like that i forgot his name golden boy and turns out golden boy found out some news that ended up he being the one to kill professor uh brinkoff in the studio so she goes to this academy she ends up meeting these guys these people uh she meets up she's roommate with a uh with lizzie broadway who plays emma meyer who can shrink down to like ant-man size however in order for her to do that she has to be she uh she has an eating disorder sort of kind of because of that whenever she throws up her food that's when she can shrink down if she eats she grows it's like one of the craziest powers you could have but it also plays into one of these type of things that teens go into so it's kind of brilliantly done in a sense um she also has issues trying to live up to the social media's you know status quo um being a you know a, a, a uh, influencer if you will to that nature and worrying about all the you know situations that she have and she's dealing with all these you know bitchy teens and whatever like that that are trying to get clout oh you know on her behalf and stuff like that so you got that situation there you got another situation where um derek lou who plays jordan lee and jordan well derek lou and london thor play the character jordan lee and why i'm mentioning those two together because derek lee's power is that he has he has like man is still like strength but also he can turn female like he's literally ramna at this case and he prefers he recognizes there uh jordan likes to be acknowledged as a female more than a male but he become uh they i should say become female because that's what they're comfortable with that's what they want to be recognized just in spite of their father's you know um acceptability because yeah they injected they injected jordan with the gen v but they weren't expecting to to happen to what happened you know jordan being able to turn into female and jordan accepting the you know identity of a female and jordan's father is this old school conservative you know dude that grew up with conservative you know ways mom seems to be okay with it and accepting of it um maybe because you know one she's a little bit more liberated towards it and she maybe wanted a daughter to that extent but they just she just wants everybody to be happy and to get along and that doesn't happen so there's that situation right there but there's a bigger mystery going on in this uh deal you also have uh one of my, my man chance um perdomo from um the adventures of sabrina in here playing andre anderson and you know he's supposed to be one of the top students at the school he's trying to be the new polarity uh who's taking over for taking the legacy from his father played by sean patrick thomas sean patrick thomas you guys know from barbershop and talk about somebody who knows how to play in a you know a, a an annoying prick like everything i feel like he plays in he play he's also another guy he plays a bad guy really good like he plays that dude he he makes for a great conservative black man <laughs> he plays that role so well in such like you, you just want to 
kicked this dude. And he plays it so well. I love he he I love when he plays these roles because he he really knows how to get your get your veins heated. Okay. Um so it is it's very interesting how this is gonna play. Uh Patrick Schwartz wait, that's Patrick Schwarzenegger. Golden Boy is Patrick Schwarzenegger. That's Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. I knew I recognized him from somewhere. So that's that's a thing. So Patrick Schwarzenegger is Golden Boy. Um, unfortunately, he also died because he sacrificed himself to Clancy Brown in this case. But we're going to see him in more episodes because there's a lot of things is leading to his brother still being alive, Sam, um, you know, who's been experimented on and held in, you know, in facility underground for a long time because he his powers are uncontrollable. He was taken with um he was taken with, you know, Gen V, but his powers are, you know, definitely putting him in a position that they can't control. So they're trying to free him or whatever like that. And now Marie and Emma and Kate and Andre are trying to unravel the and Jordan are all trying to unravel this big mystery that Vault is trying to keep under. Vault is very aware of these, you know, secrets that they're hiding in the school. So it's this was just only the three episodes. This was only three episodes in, and there was so much more that went on in, in these episodes. I'm giving you just a basis of what happened in these episodes because they, you know, if you watch the boys, they touch on some real world stuff utilizing fantasy based, you know, um, storytelling. Because you can do that, Scorsese. I'll get to that. But nonetheless, this, you know, if you love the boys, you're going to love this show. I don't think it, it's the same type of vibe the same entertaining vibe the same premise the same edgy risk-taking you know craziness that you you're known to you know have with this show this is going to be awesome i love the first three episodes of the show um get ready we're going for a crazy ride with this show i cannot wait i cannot wait for this um another show i didn't get to see all of this i so watched the first two episodes of this but castlevania nocturne um is now on netflix as well i believe six episodes is available right now there's going to be more there's no way they're going to end this you start this with six episodes but the first six episodes are available right now i watched two of them i love them this is um chronicling uh what is it it's not trevor it's uh let me see castlevania let's go there castlevania turn and this one is based on Richter. Yes, Trevor was the one that the last one was based on. So they, this is decades later after Trevor uh, Belmont uh, and his crew were taking on Dracula and whatnot. So I love this show. I love this show. I love the animation for this show. This The animation was done by, I believe, Powerhouse. Um, let me see, Powerhouse Animation. Uh, worked on this and DR movie who has worked on a ton of different anime before. Um, they also worked on Sonic Frontiers. I got to watch that. The Sonic Frontiers uh, Divergence uh, deal. They've also, they worked on animation for Masters of the Universe, Sonic Origin Cinematics. It's just incredible, incredible anime style. It is, let me tell you, we're going to talk about all the things that Netflix has coming out and bringing out that's coming soon and leading into 2024 but netflix is on a warpath with animated shows and just some of the 
best quality animated shows of all time. Mostly because of studios like Powerhouse Animation and Studio Mirror that are coming in to do these awesome, awesome, beautifully drawn, beautifully animated, character designed, you know, TV shows based on some of our favorite deals. I looked at this man as a as a person of color that has watched a lot of anime that with, with people that they drew black people in. This is by far the best animated show that is with drawn black with that drawn black people in it. I've never seen black people designed the way that they do on this show. Like, and I love the subtleties. It's like they don't like you watch other shows that has black anime characters on there. If you depend on what era it is, it goes from it ranges from really bad and racist almost to in this case extraordinarily well. If you dated back, uh, we talked about this because I did an episode talking about uh, Kaneko Man back then. If you didn't, if you're a Kaneko Man fan, go back. I covered that whole entire series uh, and how fascinating that was. But there was a shocker of an episode where they did blackface in there. And I talked about that in a sense of like, remember, we talked about I just talked about this with customs and in and, 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 uh, cultures. So when that episode came out and I talked about it thoroughly on that episode, go back on talktimelive.com and go to search engine, type in Kaneko Man, that should come up. But in talking about that episode, I had to really think back and I'm like, is it racist? Yes, it's racist in, in, in a sense, but is it intentionally racist? And this was that episode came out at a time where there was no Internet and we had our situations too. the things, the misconceptions that we had about Japan back then were only based on what we saw on TV and on TV shows and whatnot. So we would have our own stereotypes about Japan and they would have it about us. So without having access to information that we do now with the internet, you're only assuming based on what we, what our depictions of what we think of Japan is and what they think of about us in Japan and, and, and you know, about America in particular, African-Americans. So you did have, if they saw pictures of, you know, us with big lips and big noses and all that stuff, they're going to assume that's what we're into. They don't realize that that stuff was racist and it's really bad taste to do. And they've learned that over the years that it was not good. And they changed that and it's continuing to change now. No more evident than this series. This series has some of the best looking black people I've ever seen in anime history. I mean, they don't, I'm looking at one of the characters now, uh, Thoso Miba who plays, um, he plays in this too. Um, it's a, it's a sister with like beautifully drawn dreadlocks, perfectly drawn dreadlocks. They don't focus. They don't emphasize on the lips as much like you could, it, it there's an impliedness to the, to the drawing of her mouth. Like there's lips on there, but it's not really like just showing out. It's very subtle. I love what they did with that. There's also vampires, black vampires in here too, like male black vampires in here, and they don't emphasize on that. There's some include, there's some of the most politically correct inclusion 
<laughs> this show that I like and the art style is just gorgeous. Like every black character that they have in here, they look so presentable. They look so awesome. I am so happy that they really did what they did with this show. They really respectfully brought inclusion perfectly in this anime more than any anime I have ever seen prior to. It is incredible. This art style, it looks like Eon Flux. It this this is like the Eon Flux art style that I you know from Liquid Television back in the day in um MTV. It is gorgeous, stunning. I I I just can't be more happier when I watch this show and why even the other one like um man, uh Thu's, you know uh and but uh I I can't pronounce the name, I'm sorry. It's beautiful it's a beautiful name but I need to learn how to pronounce this name properly but uh Thuso Madu, I believe that's his pronounced, but she plays a net. Um, and it's just, it was just a gorgeous. I love this character. I love the look of this character. It's just so stunning. Um, Sydney James Harcourt plays, uh, Edward and here too. And just, you know, just awesome looking vampires and, and, uh, vampire hunters and whatnot in here. Just absolutely freaking gorgeous. I'm looking forward to the, the watching the rest of the show, but if you love the last Castlevania, you're going to love this. I've actually almost, almost got to playing the scene. I, I, I may, this look like I may be like, I may like this one better, but the story with this is during the French revolution, vampire hunter prodigy, Richter Belmont fights to uphold his family's legacy and prevent the rise of ruthless power hungry vampires. That is not all this, this, uh, little entry into IMDB doesn't say it enough. He's also want revenge for his mom because his mom, who also was a Belmont uh, uh, vampire hunter, was killed by a particular vampire. And the vampire opted out to kill him because he knew he was gonna come back for him. He wanted him to be strong enough to be ready to take him out. So that's kind of the real premise of this as well. So this is awesome. He pretty much is, Richter Belmont is Batman, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, I'm looking forward to the other episodes that and apparently there's eight episodes it's not six um but i'm looking forward to watching the rest but so far so good just watching the two episodes netflix is just going crazy now let's talk about the other shows that netflix is going to be doing netflix showcase this week their latest animated series coming soon like including blue eye samurai which looks fantastic you know it has samurai uh samurai jack vibes but it's anime and it's like 3D CGI anime mixed with cell shaded style anime. It looks awesome. That's coming November 3rd. Blue Dragon remix, a new Blue Dragon series. Uh, this time uh, by Adi Shankar, who's making a big return here. And Ubisoft, that's coming October 19th, like a couple weeks away. Um, and what, what, I, what I lit up to, for this, I watched this and I lit up because, I, I, you know, this is done by Ubisoft. So... Damn if we didn't see an appearance of Raymond in this episode, in this uh, trailer, uh, doing commentary <laughs> that news analyst. He was a news analyst of something or some other. So we're going to see cameos of Raymond, of all people, making his animated uh, review debut in here. So looking forward to that. The vibe that I got from this series, um, it's like a futuristic Legends of Vox Machina. It gives me that vibe. So. It looks exciting. It looks awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Checking out. We also got another look 
at Scott Pilgrim takes off, which is coming November 17th. This time we got to hear the cast, the original cast uh, of the Michael Sarah reprising his role, Scott Pilgrim. And um, uh, what was it? Um, also, who was in there? Uh, not Aubrey Davis. Um, I forgot her name, but the, the let's just say the entire cast. We spoke about this before. Um, the entire cast is reprising the roles as the, the iconic characters of the movie. And here, so we got a little taste of that, and that's coming November 17th. Also, we knew this was coming back, but we didn't know when and with between the pandemic and now the strike and everything. We didn't we knew this was coming soon, but Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe is coming back 2024. We got to see a glimpse of that. It is in process right now, in production, if you will. It looks fan like say what y'all want. Kevin Smith has given us a great gift in the Masters of the Universe uh, series. It is just freaking fantastic. It looks awesome. This is the Masters of the Universe. Well, like when I talk about like how awesome the 80s was in terms of the animation and character development, Kevin Smith grew up with us with that. We all grew up in the same deal, loving that same thing. So we get to, we, we not only are in a great time when we can do that, we can do it better. And Masters of the Universe, this is the best version of Masters of the Universe, even better than the 80s. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And I'm looking forward to the new one in 2024. And we also remember, if you listen to the Select Start episode, I did mention the other two uh, shows that will be mentioned. That was um, Devil May Cry and Tomb Raider, uh, Tomb Raider, The Legend of Lara Croft. They're both coming on uh, in 2024 as well. Um, Addy Sankar is working on Devil May Cry. I don't know who exactly is working on Tomb Raider, but they both look fantastic. I know Studio Mayor is working on Devil May Cry, and I believe Powerhouse Animation may be working on Tomb Raider as well. But you, we got, give it to Netflix. Give it up to Netflix. They have, they really have made their promises about bringing in more anime and original anime features and all the stuff. Oh, they are doing it tenfold. This lineup is incredible. Absolutely incredible, man. So shout out to them for that. And I, you know, when I'm excited here about talking about all of that fanfare, we got to switch the gears and talk about my last subject of matter. Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese is at it again. And he has a new film that's coming out. Uh, it looks like, look, honestly, it looks like an awesome film. And the problem I have with this is that the legendary director of some iconic films, Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, uh, Mean Streets, you know, stuff like that. He, once again, is putting out this hate over the idea of comic book movies ruining cinema. I don't understand why he has this, this hate for this. It might, here's my opinion, his philosophy. I think him attacking this other genre makes him look bad. It's, and to me, it sabotages his chances of ever getting that crowd of people to want to watch his films. He has great films. He's done some great things. Um, 
the new film that he's coming out with right now is Killers of the Flower Moon, which stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone. He, I almost feel like it's a form of projection. And when I say that, it means that he's blaming the comic book genre, the superhero genre for doing actually what he does himself. And that's patternized and create these formulaic type of things. It's safe to say that you know a Martin Scorsese movie as well as you would know a a a a, a um, James Gunn movie. Like he's not like when he does filming. When he does films, it's not like dude is like doing anything different. Like he does the same type of film that like he did for. Uh, let me look, let me look up his list of films like his films cover some really sophisticated storytelling form of storytelling but a lot of it you kind of recognize his type his, his style like when you start recognizing people's um style of storytelling then yes you are patternizing yourself like you could tell him just as much you could tell um how oh, transformers 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 um, Michael Bay, <laughs> if you can tell Michael Bay stuff, like he has a signature, he has a, a carbon print. He has a fingerprint that people recognize instantly. So when he does, you know, films like this, you know what I'm saying? It's like Francis for a Coppola too. Like, like, like these guys do these films that you recognize and he covers subjects that is like, you got to question his stuff too. All I'm saying is that there's a room for everybody in Hollywood. I don't think there's a need to be dismissive or divisive. Like I looked at like, for instance, I look when I went to the trailer to go watch the, the creator, we saw a bunch of different uh, trailers. Killers of the following moon out of flower moon is one of them. And I looked at this trailer. I'm like, yo, this actually looks badass. The bad part is, and it's three hours and 26 minutes. Oof. Oh God. Come on. Yeah. I don't even want to get into that, but here's the thing. That's that is, is that longer than than end game? I think that is longer than end game. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like Avengers. Yeah, it is like a little, like 25 minutes longer. Then, um, then in game. So, all right, here's the situation. You're telling people that comic book movies are ruining cinema. I'm watching this trailer and I'm looking at the trailer. I'm like, yeah, this, this trailer looks awesome. This, this movie looks fantastic. I may want to do it. Problem is this guy's, he, he's basically dismissing my enjoyment for comic book movies and he's turning his nose away from it. So I'm looking at it from like, if you're being so stubborn and bitchy about it, why do I want to look at your films? Yeah. Your film's probably dope, but you're, you're, you're trying to tell me that, you know, me watching a Marvel movie or a DC movie or whatever, whoever comes out with a comic book adaptation is less, less than or lower than, and I can't enjoy a sophisticated film like this. Oh, dude, I think he's approaching it all wrong. I don't think there's any, tra like, and, and for that matter, here's my other issue. 
I got reason to believe he's never watched one comic book movie. I don't think he's watched a Marvel movie at all. And he's, he particularly aims at Marvel. He doesn't aim at DC or anybody else that's come out with a adaptation, if you will. He specifically targets Marvel because Marvel has been the most successful. Marvel has brought on a form of entertainment that people feel that they can relate to people feel that they can enjoy feel that they can be compelled feel that they can be invested in and what is the matter with that that is every bit is what you want to do i'm sorry that we like that type of storytelling that type of entertainment value it's not to say that we don't like we won't like his we i can watch a martin scorsese film and I can watch a Marvel film and have the same effect. It doesn't, at the end of the day, it should only matter. If you know how to make a good film that'll grab people's attention, you will. And that's what it should come down to. It just feels foolish to really think that like, it has to be one or the other. I think that's just dumb. Like, I, you can like what you like, but there's room for art in, in the world of art is room for so many different things. There is no limit in art as an artist. It is all about, you know, the, the term, my definition of art means the way the art of the way of there's an art in everything. It is unlimited. You cannot conform to just one form of art and think that it's bad. If you make a great movie that people want to see, you will be successful. That's just plain and simple. And I feel like the whole Apple Plus genre of things, Apple Plus is for those who, you know, their, their, their target audience is those who like cinema. And again, this feels like a very political divisive type of situation to me. I feel like I mean, Jennifer Anderson also did the same thing. I feel like everybody who has a contract with Apple Plus does the same thing. This this narrative that they can't enjoy being in a Marvel film. Those who have been like the Robert Robert Redford and all those guys that like Oscar winning people have been on Marvel because you know what I have done because they see a broader picture of being in a Marvel movie. It's not about just having powers or being able to fly or have there is Marvel has always been about yes that but that's not the that's not the main story the main story of Spider-Man as we all know is Peter Parker and how Peter Parker deals with these powers and how he you know how it becomes more of a curse than it is a gift that's what the boys does it questions all that that's what the Watchmen does it questions all that so there's a, you know, with great power comes a great responsibility and that saying alone is the bigger story. It's yeah. They don't make it cool to have powers. They make it cool to make the right decisions when having those powers. And that's the story. That's a story that Mark's Martin Scorsese can actually do. I don't think he can. I think that's the problem. He, he considers himself and many does consider himself a great director. He is. He's done phenomenal movies. But I think he is intimidated 
by the idea that these movies have gravitated so many people and made so much money in the box office. Where's that same hate for Barbie right now? Where is that same hate? Barbie is record-breaking gross, one of the most record-breaking gross films of our time as of right now. Where's all the hate for that? Nobody say anything about Barbie. Barbie should have the same, he should have the same hate for Barbie. Hell, he should have the same hate for the Super Mario Brothers too while you at it. He should have the same hate for those movies as he did with Marvel movies. It's all, you have to learn your audience or you have to be good enough and that goes for Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino absolutely can do that. Like, come on, Kill Bill wasn't like based on a martial arts film and a spaghetti western. And you you had the formula to make that happen. Why can't Mar uh, Martin Scorsese can, if he's really as good as he's saying, and yeah, I'm questioning him. If he's really the greatest of all time, if he's one of the best that there is, let's see how he does making a Marvel movie. Let's see how he does doing that. Cause I think having him work on a movie of that stature and really changing the way that that's true art. Let's see what you could do with that. I almost, it's almost easy to say that like making a film like his is a lot easier to do than trying to make people enjoy a comic book movie. Because remember comic book movies for the longest time have been tabooed, shunned upon because they didn't think that you could get any type of depth within it you know and i love that there's a picture of him and roger ebert by the way roger ebert is another guy that you know he you know before he died he was questioning a lot of things as well um one of which was video games and the idea that video games isn't art and i think that's a total crop because video games is art it's yeah, there are people who don't treat it like art and to treat it as a cash grab, but there is a lot of artistic integrity in video games. There's a lot of artistic integrity in Marvel, in DC. Like there's stories to be told. Yes, they got powers. Okay, whatever. E.T. was an alien. People love that one. People love what Spielberg did. Nobody questioned what Spielberg did with that. Okay, third, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Nobody questioned that. How is that any different of a cinema than that? Aliens, all that. Like, how you guys never question that, but you're going to question, you know, the Avengers and and, and Captain America. Like, dude, go ahead. I dare you to say that about um, the Winter Soldier, which to me was every bit as good as what you saw in like any of those. Like, come on. It, they convinced Robert Redford to, to, to play um, Alexander Pierce in The Winter Soldier. Why? Because the storytelling in that movie was on a level of what Robert, you know, uh, of what Robert Redford is normally used to playing. I don't think Robert Redford would have been eager to want to play Alexander Pierce if that role didn't live up to his standards and again for robert redford to want to play a role in a comic book movie he is in that he robert redford is in that genre is in that generation where being in a comic book movie was a career killer it was considered a career killer the fact that he's on 
point to be to have been in uh, in, in those roles that speaks volumes of how the level and quality of you know script and storytelling and writing that we've gotten to this point so i'm on a i'm on a cuffs of saying martin scorsese is intimidated by the idea of how people are have been able to make success out of a comic book movie i would challenge him and i think other people should challenge him to do it i think if you really see it for what it is, I think he just, he's just intimidated because he can't, yes, he can, he stays on his wheelhouse. If he's truly the real deal, he needs to do it. He needs to do a comic book movie. He needs to really put his art style, his vision and try to make something of it and do it in a way. Like, okay. And by the way, <laughs> one of the things I think he did too was praise Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, he said, you know, I think he gave, I think he gave it out to Christopher Nolan, if I remember, let me check. Cause I posted this on the ACMG Facebook group and I thought it was hilarious cause it's something IGN uh, put up for him. And I'm like, I gotta find this. He, 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 he damned Marvel, but at the same time he praised Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, who played who who was who directed one of the greatest Batman trilogies of all time? And one of here it is. Mars Scorsese says, fight back against comic book movies, support directors like Dark Knights Christopher Nolan. He didn't say Dark Knights Christopher Nolan. He says support directors like Christopher Nolan. But IGN gratefully pointed out the Dark Knights Christopher Nolan. This is the part where I feel like when I heard that, I felt like Chris, I feel like Marcus Scorsese had a Joe Biden moment. I feel like he had a, not only that, I think Martin Scorsese or Martin Scorsese, or Scorsese had a Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell moment because this is how you know, this is how you know he doesn't he hasn't watched or paid attention to anything that these guys have done he hasn't watched a movie he watched i bet you he just watched a trailer and just went off the trailer he's doing the same mistake it, it sounds like he's making the same mistake that a lot of people some of our listeners maybe too does all the time they base their opinion on a headline and in this case he may have based his opinion on a trailer which could be the equivalent of a headline of an article instead of just reading an article instead of just watching a movie because had he really known yes christopher nolan did Oppenheimer, but you know where he made his claim to fame for for real it was the batman series in particular the dark knight in particular where the joker got an oscar robert de niro who is in his movie his brand new movie robert de niro Ladies and gentlemen, if you guys remember Robert De Niro, where did we last see him? And what was one of the biggest movies that we seen him in last time? It was the Joker. He was in the Joker film as Murray Franklin. So this is not looking good for Martin Scorsese. He's gotten old with his ways. 
And I don't want to put ageism into it because for all the way up to his 90s, a man that I call the comic book Pope, a man that has helped bring Marvel to where we are today, a man by the name of Stanley Lieberman, you may know him as Stan Lee. That man to his late 90s or mid 90s, if you will, believed in change, believed in the ability to tell a great story, believed in embracing different aspects. Never once did Stan Lee, even after he retired, even after he left Marvel and just became an ambassador. When, when John Cusada or John Q took over Marvel in his place and made all those changes, including doing the one more day deal and killed off, and killed off the relationship of Peter and, 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 um, MJ, which still to this day, people cannot stand. And still to this day, people have reverted back to the Peter and MJ, you know, connection. Stanley embraced it. Stan Lee advocated for it. Like he, he did like he, he was the one that brought them two together. And he was like, you know what? Embrace change. Uh, storytelling, you have to, you have to always do something different. He plainly expressed that no matter, you know, whether he liked it or not, he embraced the idea of change. And that right there is what we all need to do. We need to, no matter how old you are, you need to embrace change. As much as you like what you like growing up, what you like, you need to embrace change. And when you got stuff like that, when, like people like Martin Scorsese, who just wants to just knock on it, like, all right, seriously, like I'm a hip, I grew up on my term of hip hop and I'm not a big fan of all the hip hop that's out, but that doesn't mean I'm known to embrace it. This is just generation's version of hip hop. I'm cool with it. There's some people I do like within the new generation. It's some people I can't get down with, but that doesn't mean we can't embrace change. I just want him to be able to, you know, embrace that everybody has a seat in the table. We can, I can like his movies. I can like my own Marvel movies. And that's what it's all about. I don't think there's a need to be so divisive about everything. And he's not helping everything in a whole. It just tells me that he's not. And he got, for God's sake, his movie is damn sure probably going to get an Oscar. I have no doubt. Because the Academy is in that same plane as them. They don't look at a lot of what we look like. I mean, yes, Angela Bassett, which I, a lot of people believe she should have won last year for that performance she did. And, and God, that was incredible. And Jamie Lee Curtis won it. And that's dope because Jamie Lee Curtis also played in a movie. You almost can really almost say that's a comic book movie. <laughs> okay. Um, but I just feel like it's, 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 he's just intimidated. He's just utterly intimidated by what he sees. I would challenge him to just try watching the winter soldier, watching Wakanda forever. Hell watch Falcon and the winter soldier. 
you know, watch a Marvel. There's some heavy, heavy Marvel movies that does a lot of great storytelling in there. I challenge him. And then I challenge him to actually try to do what these guys do. If you think is his excuse, it'll be like, it's cheap. It's whatever. There's no, like, all right, then improve on it. You have the opportunity to improve on it. Show us what we're missing. What type of storytelling you could do. If you think is that great, what can you do that can make it better? Cause we could get those same actors and make, and those same actors is what make these, you know, these portrayals so good. You're using the same actors that are playing in these roles. In a lot of ways, you're as, like people like you and Ford and, 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 and Tarantino, you're, you're insulting the same people that you're using for your roles. You're, 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 it, it that to me just bothers me. It, it's so one dimensional minded. So look, like what you like, love what you love. There's room for everything. You can love his style of movies and you can love Marvel style of movies as well. There's no need to further divide everything else. So I would love to see a Martin Scorsese Marvel film because I think he could add something to it. I think he could do something to it if he's not afraid to do it. But I feel like he is afraid of his own artistic skill and integrity. Challenge. Will challenge be accepted? We'll never know. So folks, that is what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back. And I'm going to talk about the creator. Did this one convince me to love this Rogue One style of storytelling? And we'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time live.com talktomlive.com provides all of our acmg content with new and previous episodes exclusive interviews articles and much more visit talktomlive.com and let us help you learn to let go live life and love all things acmg Talk Time Live. this is amanda celine miller the voice of boruto and sailor jupiter and you are listening to acmg presents talk time live do it and now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Wait. Folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review of the creator that is starring John David Washington. We know him from other great movies like Tenet, uh, Black Klansman. I love him in Black Klansman. Uh, Malcolm and Mary. Uh, uh, Mary. I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, him and Zendaya. I heard that was really good too. Uh, Amsterdam as well. He was on Ballas. Um, and you guys may know him for being the son of legendary actor Denzel Washington as well. And he is starring. He's once again starring in this really big budgeted sci-fi trauma um along with madeline yun uh yuna voles and gemma chan from eternals and uh what was it uh was it uh captain marvel and a whole bunch of other movies as well but they're in this movie directed by gareth 
Edwards, who was also the director for uh, Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue One. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Rogue One is not my favorite movie at all. Neither is Andor as far as like Disney Plus shows. I just I had the same vibe with that show as I did. Like it's it's. You know, it's a war. It's a it's a part of the Star Wars story without the Jedi and the Sith aspect. It's just normal people <laughs> in the middle of all the stuff that's going around in the Star Wars universe. And I, there were some parts of it I liked and some parts of it I didn't. But I felt like it was just there wasn't enough. If you're listening, if you're watching a Star Wars movie, it's I mean, or anything involving Star Wars, the Star Wars formula, it's drama storytelling character development and action and it's all balanced out into one pot that makes what we love about star wars but they went another direction with rogue one and andor and it's like it's just all drama there's not that much going on there and um in my opinion for me and there are people that like i said there are people that like it i just wasn't one of those people like if that was what we saw in the first trilogy I don't think they would have made as much money as it did or made the legacy that it did. I'm just saying, this is my opinion, of course. Um, they didn't make themselves famous because of that series and that movie. I will say that. Um, but I wanted to give another fair share of this. And, you know, they came up with the creator and made this movie. He read, he wrote it along with Chris Wise. And one does like, how is this? How is this fair? not being a part of the star wars universe being a whole new intellectual property being a whole new narrative storyline whatever and it was starring john david uh washington which i do love his acting i do love how he portrays characters um he puts a lot of realism no matter what premise he's in and i wanted to watch this and see like how i fare with this would i like this regardless now i came out of this i came out of liking this better than i did rogue one there was here's the thing and I'll, I'll i'll give an example of this because when i say this this was not for everybody this movie was not yes in the trailer you see it's a sci-fi you know movie and when you think sci-fi you also think that you're going to see a lot of action oriented type of stuff going on there not so much here this is pretty much like rogue one but the thing is, I think Rogue One would have been good had it not had the Star Wars name on it. If it was totally something different like this was, I think it would have been much more appreciated, appreciated, if you will, appreciative, if you will. This on its own, I think, was a better movie to me. Um, the other thing is, like, this is not for kids. I mean, it's it's kids can watch it, but I don't think kids it's very sophisticated. The premise, the, the 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 storytelling, it's very sophisticated and really doesn't have any action-oriented type of scenes in there. It barely has any. Um, it's like a it's it's a two-hour and thirteen movie, and there's probably damn it is the the amount of the amount of action in this movie is very small. I would say maybe like fifteen minutes of action. I'm just estimating, but it really like the rest of it is just storytelling. It's visuals um it's cinematics if you will i i will give you an example why this isn't for kids not from a standpoint of it's too violent it's too adult oriented or anything no it's a very sophisticated uh storyline 
in a sense of you if you compare this to a marvel movie kids are not going to get into this because they want to see they see cool effects they see cool you know cgi effects and special effects they see these people looking like uh you know these ais that look human and you're thinking all right is this gonna be a new matrix type of thing not exactly not exactly in any sense it's a movie it's like there's a, there's a few animes that are like this and this is this really played off like a live action adaptation of an anime which that part i appreciated and enjoyed i love that part um but there were three girls that came in wildin excited as if they were going to see a marvel movie and i think within the hour of watching this movie because they were excited they were looking at things they were asking questions they were starting to question what is going on in this movie those three girls they were they couldn't have been no more than maybe like ranging from 10 to 13 maybe yeah they could have been like 15 or 16 they were like i i think they were like 10 10 11 12 13 at best after like within the hour those three little girls left the theater. I think they were probably there with their parents who went to go see another movie or whatever like that. But they they left. They completely left the theater. They were bored. I think they hung out in the lobby because they were waiting for their parents who were probably watching another movie or whatnot. And they ended up watching this and it was like they were bored out their minds. And they after a while, they stopped acting crazy thinking that they were gonna because here's the thing when we watched trailers one of the trailers that they watch was the marvels which is a marvel movie and it's involving captain marvel and it's a little bit upbeat and all this stuff and action oriented and they were getting excited when they heard the beastie boys intergalactic planetary as you would but when this thing came on man they got their their attitudes their moods got lukewarm they like look let's get out of here <laughs> and it was what it was. There's another guy actually, I think that was just his time to fall asleep. My man, he slept through the whole entire two hours watching it. But I watched the whole thing. I was a little bit more captivated <laughs> this time around. More captivated than I was watching Rogue One. And it's not for everybody. If you're in there looking, waiting, wanting a action-oriented type of sci-fi um, drama, this is not going to be the movie, unfortunately. Um, but what you do get out of this is some compelling storytelling, some great acting, and some things that you might want to question about the recent climate that we're going through now in terms of AI. Um, this was a really interesting take on our thoughts and philosophies on AI right now, because we're in the beginning processes of entering the AI era right now. And one of the like one of the fearful questions that we have is what is the purpose of ai and how is this going to help us live a better life um is it going to take over is it going to take away our jobs what, what is going to be our purpose in life when ai goes into full function and that's what people are afraid of right now we we, we fear what we don't understand and there's a lot that we don't understand about ai and the capabilities the dangers and the achievements of it so I think they did a good job with this movie and in the fleshing now and they had the right cast to do it i mean along with uh the three that i mentioned allison jenny is also in this movie i freaking love I look i didn't watch the um the west wing 
which I believe she really got her, her claim to fame on. Um, but she has, I mean, I mean, she was also in other things too. I mean, she, uh, I believe she was also on, she was in help and Juno hairspray. Um, she was in a quite other things, but like, I think she really did make her claim to fame, uh, in other aspects as well in TV shows. But I also know her from mom. I watched her on mom. She was sensational. She got a lot of awards for that show. Um, but here she played Colonel Howell and she was ruthless. Like if you watched her on mom playing Bonnie, imagine Bonnie in the army. This is exactly what I thought it was here. It was like, yo, she is cutthroat and ruthless. She gives no craps about these AIs at all. She, you know, they don't consider them living beings, uh, even though they have the ability to have, you know, emotions and thoughts and whatever like that. It was just what it was. So, and Ken Watanabe is in here as well as one of the, uh, androids and God, just the, 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 the level of design on these, uh, and the CGI here was just incredible. Like they spent a hell of a lot of money here. So basically the story here from I'm reading from IMDb against the backdrop of the war between humans and robots with artificial intelligence, a former soldier finds his secret weapon, uh, a robot in the form of a young child, this young child, uh, being played by, um, uh, Madeline Yona Vols, which they call Alfie is a different type of AI. This AI in particular was made to end all wars to be able to control everything around her in terms of um, anything electronic based or whatever like that. Like this was damn near the Messiah and it's the only kind in here. Gemma plays Maya, who's the wife of Joseph, uh, Joshua, who is John David Washington's character and the soldier of this bunch who was sent in to play, to do undercover to find this particular the creator of these AIs, they thought that this creator is a as a threat. And basically why is because there was a situation that turns out they found out that, um, the AIs basically planted a atomic bomb killing out all of Los Angeles or whatnot, or somewhere in California, all of California, destroying millions. There's a bit of a situation involving that, that we learn later on in this movie. So because the, the finger was pointed at the AIs for dropping those bombs or whatnot, AIs were sought, was, were looked at as the threat as a, you know, this it's them trying to take us, take over. You know what this reminded me of 9-11. 9-11, we know what happened in 9-11. And because of that, because of what some terrorists have done, it at the time, people looked at everybody, every every Islamic person in, in Islamic culture, they looked at them as a threat. Not everybody, but a lot of people, because the people involved were of Islamic culture, of Islamic religion, Muslim religion. And they automatically made, you know, they vilified everybody in that culture. Mosques were being attacked. Um, they were being like, you imagine it, it took us a long time to get past that era. 
And this always happens. And I tell my wife this all the time. My wife, my wife is Indian descent. And a lot of times she doesn't understand the pot, you know, because to her, her culture, people in her culture are, may, may not be considered a threat, at least not right now. But had a situation like that happen, or if a situation like that happened, we already see what happened with the Jewish community. We already see it happen with the Asian community. And we always see it happen in the black community where we're vilified to a certain extent that we get attacked or whatnot. And I'll tell her like at any moment, something can happen that involves just one or three or just a handful of people in your cult, in your uh, community and culture that will that is being seen around the entire world and then all of a sudden you become the enemy like you cannot be so carefree to think that at any cost like you're in a free you're looked at as a safe bet right now in the eyes of the majority of people in this country but if anything happens you are instantly vilified just like that in a snap and that's what happened in this movie the and the ai that was in here were made to believe that was they were made to help you know better humanity to better help our situation but there was a twist to this and turns that went around that now they're vilified but we learn into this movie that did a little bit more more than meets the eye might i say in here that we start to learn about the what's really going on in this situation and when I watched this movie, the one thing, it, first of all, I will say this. There are parts of this movie that just felt formulaic in a sense that I didn't need a crystal ball to predict the obvious of what was going on, that there was some something bigger going on. Two, that, and I'm trying not to, I'm, I'm trying to explain this without spoiling it, but Maya, who is the wife of Joshua, we find out that there's something a little bit more about her that he didn't know about as well as she didn't know about him because she didn't know that he was an undercover guy working for the organization, the militant organization known as Nomad. And they were looking for the creator, if you will. And he goes, I forgot that he goes, but Nimerna, uh, uh, I forgot the name of the person that uh, I think it's Minerta or for something that is, but he, the person his which was apparently her father and i looked at this and i'm like i think i know what's really going on i'm not going to say it on this show but when you if you watch it you'll you'll probably see for yourself where they're, where they're going with this but turns come to find out that nomad invaded their village way before he could find out who was the person that they were looking for the creator of um the ais and it turns out that she discovered that he was undercover and worked for Nomad. And they just went in too early. They fumbled and it led to a whole catastrophe. Um, he, he, you know, all the trust that he had of the village and everything he lost. He even got married to, to Maya and they loved each other very much. They were having, a, they were going to have a kid. He was deep undercover for quite a while. And after her, after she found out about everything, she disowned him she went into the field where it was like a big firefight and the this big aircraft carrier this ship that hovers over the earth if you will and has the means of destroying 
everybody with their missiles that they dropped to the ground. Like literally is an atomic bomb at this case. It was believed that she was dead. And Colonel Howe tries to recruit Joshua one more time to try to find the lead on the creator. And I'll just call him the creator. There's a name for the creators, Moderna, uh, Moderna or so whatever. Like <laughs> it's something in nature. I totally forgot. But they're looking for the creator and the identity of the creator. And Joshua is resentful about it because he didn't want to, he didn't, he didn't want to do it because it cost him his life, his wife, and his child, his unborn child in the midst of all this. And turns out his wife may be still alive. And they discovered, they showed a holographic projection footage of her still being alive with the ring that they had on him. So he's only, he, he comes in, tries to find her. They try to find this secret weapon that is supposed to be a big threat to humanity or whatnot. And it turns out to be Alfie, the, uh, the, the little uh, AI kid. And then all through the movie, you start to discover there's some things that he, they, he was un, unbe, uh, that was unbeknownst to him and he wasn't privy to know. And he's just, you know, uncovering all this secret. And it turns out that Nomad is not exactly who they think they are. And when I watched this film, I immediately, I immediately got vibes like some of this reminds me of Avatar in the sense that the real threat may not be the AIs in this case. It may be the actual people that are trying to take them down. That's kind of what happened to Avatar <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, you got these species of, you know, uh, people and this new race of people that the humans consider a threat and they want to take them down and they want to manifest destiny or whatnot. This is the same thing that's happening in here. And then once again, the real villain is the humans. And it starts to spread out throughout the entire time. You see what's going on to the point that we do discover what really happened and who is really the creator of all this whole thing. So I will say this about this movie. No, it wasn't the action oriented movie I wanted. It was very story, uh, story driven and story centric. But with that said, it was very compelling. There were some parts in there. I, I think my only my only gripe with this is that I really wish they would have showed what Alfie can really do because there was hints. It was very subtle and there was a lot of subtleties in this movie and it was very subtle of the things that she could do. And I'm wondering, like, if she's that powerful, let us see how powerful this kid is. And they showed it very subtly throughout the whole entire thing. And I'm like, all right, I, I just wish there was a little bit more of everything in here. Is this a movie that I'm going to go out of my way to see when it comes back on it, like in on whatever, like whether it comes on on HBO or streaming networks or whatever, like, nah, I'm not going to go out of my way. Uh, I think it was a great movie to watch once. It's nothing that really wants me to it like really makes me want to watch it again. If it's on where nothing else is on, maybe I'll watch it. Uh, but we got too much entertainment on it out there to watch that you will probably have a great overall time with. But with that said, I did like what I watched. I thought the characters were compelling. I thought John David Washington really did a great job playing Joshua and uh, taking us through this road, this emotional road that he was going through. Um, 
in trying to cope with the idea of coexisting with with AI the way he has. Uh, because before this, he was kind of on a mindset. He, he had the ideology like they're only machines. We program them. We make them. They don't have a life. They don't have thought. They don't real. Uh, he co he coached one of his recruits to thinking that way too. And now he had to, he had to question his own theory and thoughts. And it's like, okay, when, not if, when this all happens with AI, is, is this the kind of mindset that we should be thinking? But again, I think the thing that make that, that scares us right now is what's the end game for the AI era? What is it supposed to do? Why should we be excited about it? What are we, what are we going to do once this call comes into fruition? Once the new generation experiences, will we have purpose? Will we have value? I think that's, you know, this is kind of, you know, I feel like this is where Scorsese is afraid of in a lot of ways too. Um, when it comes to the Marvel movies, Marvel can be the AI aspect of this whole thing too. It's like, does he have purpose? Yes, of course we know Martin Scorsese has purpose. Do we have purpose in life? When they start taking over the jobs that we're taking over, doing the things that we want. Like as an artist, I'm already afraid to factor what is what AI has been able to do now. So, I mean, my only existence is as a designer right now, to be honest, you know, um, I question that myself. I, I fear that myself. I mean, right now, yes, it's man-made, but to what extent we've gotten so far in technology is, is brilliantly is brilliantly how greatly, how really brilliant, how far we've come with all this. And I tell you what, man, um, watching this movie made me less afraid of the, uh, of the aspect, but also be just as afraid as us as humans as well. Cause in a lot of ways we are the problem too. And it's all on how we conduct ourselves and how we do things. You got to pay attention to all that as well. So I would say this work, this movie's worth watching once at best. You may like it more than, more than me and you might enjoy it more than me. Um, but there's something to like in this movie. And I thought everybody in it did a great job. I thought this was, uh, I thought, you know, Alice and Janney really played that villain role really well. Um, but there's something to watch. There's something to enjoy. There's something to think about in this case. But if you're coming in looking for the bang poom pow, you better skip this because you did that. You're not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna get that. Uh, what you will get is some thought-provoking type of narrative and storytelling here. And I thought they did a great job with that. So, if I'm gonna give a grade to this, for me, I'm gonna give it a B because again, this is not them recreating something new. In a sense, like the story, the the, the visuals and everything is new. The premise is new, but just the, a lot of what they said we've seen it before in other films. Um, it was just done very well. I, I came out of there enjoying it, but I it, you, I thought the funny thing too in the theater too is like I left and people were staying to the end, like there was gonna be some end credit scene. No, like this is a one-time thing, man. It's like this is not gonna be a saga. At least I don't think it is. Cause oh, can I say another thing? I, I'm not, I'm really kind of tired of too, and I think that's the other reason why I'm giving this upgrade a B, especially after playing Cyberpunk. 2077 is that all these cyber movies and, and and series and shows i feel like they're all cynical they all have a cynical type of way of telling a story and the results is always something that can lead to tragedy 
And I want filmmakers now to like, we've seen too much of these cyber, these cyber century type of stories or cyber centric type of stories, if you will, where it all has to end up in some type of gloomy, like sort of a gloomy, cynical type of way where it can't like, can we have, can we project a happy ending or a happy premise that something works out? I mean, you go to the matrix, you go to, um, all of this, like it just, it has to end in some type of downfall. And I'm not giving away too much here, but I, I feel like I'm just, it, I, I want to see something different. And in this case, this is one of those situations. Like why does everything happen at the end where something goes wrong? And I think it's like, that's the other thing. If I would have seen that something had a bit of a, a more brighter ending for people involved in the movie, it would have been, it would have been dope. The other thing is too, is like, this is, this is the type of film where I think a film like this in the eighties would have been legendary. A film like this now, not so much. Like if, if this was created in the eighties with Spielberg and, and all them doing what they did back then and Lucas and all them were doing, this would have been awesome. Like, this is like Blade Runner level, like type of premise. But now we've seen so much more. It, you know, the, the, the deal with this, this is a great story told, but like overall, it, overall type of movie, it was okay. It was, it was just okay, you know, for there. So that's why I got to be like, go ahead. Yeah, definitely go out of your way. Check it out. Support it. You know, just for its storytelling and cinematic feel. But, you know, I don't think it's going to be something that's going to people remember for years from now. And that's just, that's just me. I mean, we're so much stuff that just eye popping and great and compelling as well is there. But I, I, I really enjoyed it for what it was from there. So there you have it. That's a, that's a B for me. So folks. That will do it for all of this and just another awesome show <laughs> today on Talk Time Live. Thank you guys for chiming in, checking it out. Again, you can check out this episode and every episode on TalkTimeLive.com. All of our audio episodes, our video exclusive interviews with some of our favorites there. This is officially counting down. We're, this is October 1st. So much is about to happen. I'm not just talking about New York Comic Con coming up i am talking about video games in general uh next week i will be on select start i will be reviewing uh strath infinity straths uh the adventures of die dragon quest give my thoughts on that not gonna be what you think so i'll give my thoughts on that you stay tuned for that next week but we also got some other games coming up mario super mario uh brothers wonder comes out this week as well i believe we're also counting down to Batman Arkham Trilogy on the Switch. Uh, we also got, of course, the, the marquee of the month. And the, the game that I'm celebrating more, more than anything is Spider-Man 2. I just put up a banner uh, that I've been, that I didn't, I think a month ago or so, been dying to put this up on the ACMG Facebook group. It's up now. I'm not, all, that's not all I'm doing. If you from the ACMG group is listening, yeah, wait till I, I got, I I'm got a whole thing set up for that. <laughs> so, um, I got my, uh, my dual sense limit, limited edition controller just sitting here boxed will not be unboxed until the day of the, of that, um, game. 
I will have something else in dedication to that as well. So stay tuned for that. Like, is I'm, I'm ready, dude. I am so ready for this. So we got all that coming out. We got other movies coming out too as well. Um, I, look, I got my badge here. I'm looking at it. Uh, got my wife's four day badge for New York Comic Con too. It has Luffy in a new like his version of ultra instinct mode or whatever like that. I had to ask about that. And, uh, I was, I'm, I'm eager to want to see him get to this mode, but I got to go through like four or 600 episodes, uh, episodes or 700 episodes to get to where they are at now with this. So looking forward to that, but I will, you know, we got another week of shows to do. And then, uh, from there, I'm going to go to New York comic-con. So in its place, I will have the interview with Stephanie Shea. That is not, on the uh, listings. So I will be reposting the entire interview of that. It's one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done uh, with Stephanie Shea as she talks about the last actors, voice actors strike that they had, uh, SAG after had with pretty much going on the same thing is going on now in the video game industry is about to go on the fire again. So it's more than appropriate for us to do this actual uh, episode right now and bring that back up for you guys. So looking very forward to that and some other things i may post up as well on the for you guys to listen to while i'm gone and when i come back i'll talk about the highlights i'll be showing a lot of footage a lot of video uh, packages and everything happening so stay tuned for all that molly flanagan has been announced to be at that event as well so stay tuned i'm gonna be we're taking her out this time to um to uh dinner like she's flipped the bill for us every time she comes into philly like we're going to new york we're going to hit my one of my favorite spots in Rockefeller. so can't wait to hang out with her and uh her wife lisa there too and uh we always have a great time it's always a lot of fun there too so stay tuned for that much more if you are a listener of podcasts from an audio standpoint and you listen to podcasts and your favorite podcast platforms we are everywhere podcasts are played that is include spotify iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast, you name it, we are there. We're in some other spots too. Next week on this show, we're going to talk about the premiere episode of Loki. So stay tuned for that and much, much more. So folks, that will do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out there. Take care and you guys have a great and safe week. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.